Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd and welcome to the new Jesus. Um, reviewing just a little bit, this is where we left off last week. I've not changed a thing on this board. Uh, it's all about your beliefs, your worth, identity, your actions, behaviors, emotions, thoughts, the health of your body. It all boils down to your beliefs. Uh, time, I believe, was invented because belief requires time. So you also have, not you not only have to make sure you're believing the truth in love, but you also have to make sure you're having the correct view of time, that it is temporary, that it is in some ways an illusion, in some ways almost a trick to get me to choose the wrong thing by instant gratification versus delayed, even though I feel like probably delayed might be the best choice for that. That uh, you're basically choosing one of two roads overall in your life and at any moment in any day. The high road, which is love-based. The low road, which is fear-based. Okay? And we talked at the end of last week, and we're going to address it more today, how you have really two issues. Fear of death and belief in love, which includes belief in God and Jesus because God is love, all right? So in a lot of ways, it comes down to that. Uh, fear of death, all fear is a fear of death, and every negative emotion comes from a root of fear, anger, irritation, frustration, resentment, bitterness, rejection, identity, worth. All of that comes from a root of fear. So we have in us both fear of death running all the time and love, but belief in love. We have them both. And if you don't believe we have an inherent belief in love, man, you show me somebody who is not like severe mental illness or physical illness or something like that, who does not try to love and be loved in their life. Now, they may have given up because it didn't work for them. They were abused or something like that. But everybody wants love. That's why, that's what all the songs and movies and stuff are about. All right? So, fear of death, belief in love. For most of us, fear of death is up here. Belief in love is here. All right? That's got to switch in order for you to have the life that you want. And by the way, if you're new to this, you may think, this doesn't sound like normal kind of preaching uh, or, or teaching scripture or Bible to me. Well, uh, that's on purpose. Uh, when I first started doing some of this in some university lectures, I called it spiritual physics. I believe God made everything and God exists. That's spiritual. And then physics is our physical body, our mind, will, emotions, the the um, 
way nature works, the way the universe works. And I believe because God made it all, it's in harmony. So if you find something in science that is proven to be true, I believe that it has to be in harmony with true scripture. Not, not a misinterpretation of scripture, but which happens a lot, but true scripture, all right? So they can confirm each other, all right? You, you, you do the physical and it benefits the spiritual. You do the spiritual, it benefits the physical, et cetera, spiritual physics. Uh, it's just, you know, you don't have to call it that, but that's, that's what I was thinking when I started down this path. It's not just normal kind of preaching, but preaching, psychology, biology, physics, that sort of thing. Okay, so we've been building up to last week ever since we started. And to me, this has helped me about as much as anything ever has in my life in order to live my best life, or as close as I can get to it. Enjoying adversity, and uh, that's based on 2 Corinthians 4, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in your physical body. Oswald Chambers says that that is absolutely real, and kind of in order to activate that, here's what you say, and you got, but you got to mean it. Lord, I'm delighted to obey you in this. And Oswald says that if you do that and mean it from the heart, instantly Jesus moves to the forefront of your life and manifests in your physical body that which glorifies him. Sometimes that'll be healing. Sometimes it won't, depending on what God decides is best for you. Or it may be not healing now, but you're going to heal later. All right? Or it may be you're not going to heal at all, that he wants you with him now. All right? We don't know that, and I'll, I'll address that a little more later. Um, Oswald went on to say, when that moment comes that you are confronted with the, the thing that is adverse to you, that doesn't feel good, that's maybe going to be painful, that you don't really want to do, as soon as we're confronted with that, you need to obey. And we talked about doing some kind of action in five seconds, even if it's not the real thing yet, because of the five-second rule in research, just to sort of ingrain that, yes, I am going to do this. I am going to obey you in this, even if maybe right now is not the right time. Okay? But when it is the right time, when you are ready to face and deal with the adversity in obedience to God, that's the key, doing it in obedience to God, not just the thing to you that you think will get you the best results the fastest, then Oswald says the instant you do that, Jesus moves to the forefront of your life and manifests in your physical body, but you cannot debate when that moment of obeying in the adverse situation, you can't debate. If you debate, it grieves the Holy Spirit. If you obey, instantly Jesus moves to the forefront of your life and his light shines into and through you. Okay? And we talked about how for me, the thing that sums this up is YWBD. Your will be done life moment by moment. Okay? And then, I also told you last week, I think, but there is no formula for, for healing or anything else. Alright? Well, I don't think there's a formula for healing, but from last week to this week, I have prayerfully decided there is a formula. So let's flip over to this week and what we're going to talk about, which is we're not done with that uh, 2 Corinthians 4 and enjoying adversity yet. This is sort of a continuation of that. All right? And uh, here are our diagnostics that, that, that tell you where you are right now. 
and to some extent, who you are. But you may need a little more for the who. But this will tell you where you are right now. It's 11 different diagnostics. You can, you can use one of them. They all come from a little different angle. Or you can do all 12 to get a beautiful overall picture of where you are internally minus 10 to plus 10. So go back and watch that if you haven't. And then we also did the belief profiling that shows you how to work on, for healing purposes, physical or non-physical, any issue that can be giving you a problem. So um, I would review that if you haven't seen it. Okay, but I now do believe a week later there's a formula. And the formula is to ensure the best outcome every time. You interested in that? You believe it's possible? I believe it's possible. What is the, be what is the formula for the best outcome every time? Well, I just told you. It's enjoying adversity, at least enjoying to the place that we talked about last week. Not that, oh, I can't wait to do this. This is going to feel so good and be so... No, 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 not that kind of enjoying. But being able to do it in joy because you know you have a guaranteed outcome. Okay? So, enjoying adversity when it hits as opposed to Ah, no, I'm, I don't want, I'm not going to go through that, okay? And I run back to safety, which is basically the hamster wheel that you may never get off of in your life. And then the other part is the your will be done living moment by moment. I do believe that's a formula. Now, it's not a formula necessarily to get what you want or think you want but it is a formula to get what you need and what is best for you and what will provide the perfect result outcome for you long-term, at least long-term, maybe short-term too. And when you get there, you will feel it. This was the best outcome for me. And I've seen it over and over and over and over. And I believe there may not be any other way on planet Earth to get that absolute best outcome than your will be done moment by moment and fulfilling the 2 Corinthians 4.10, having Jesus manifest in your physical body, move to the forefront of your life, lead and guide you to all truth. Okay? All right. So I believe that is the formula. All right, so how do you do it? Well, one of the first things is examining what you want, re-examining what you want and why you want it. And do you want it simply for a seek pleasure and avoid pain reason? or a I, what I want when I want reason, or I want this end result, so I'm going to work and even manipulate if I have to to get this end result, all right? You better re-examine that if you want your best life possible, all right? Here's why. One of the most famous verses in all of scriptures, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, and then what? So the Lord's in charge. I'm the sheep. He's the shepherd. He's the one deciding where we go. He's the one deciding when I eat. He's the one deciding when I rest and sleep. He's the one, you know, you can take that metaphor only so far because you're talking about a sheep. But he's the shepherd. That's his metaphor. I'm the sheep. So the Lord is my shepherd. That is established in that verse. So we're assuming this applies in situations where I have of my own free will given my heart, my life to God, believe in Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and have committed to that for the rest of my life. The Lord's my shepherd from now on. Not going to do it right. I'll mess up every day, but I'll get back up, get back on the high road, the Lord is my shepherd. Let's go again. Sorry I wandered away. 
I'm back. Can you please lead and guide me again now? Okay. Then what does it say? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, you could take that a couple of different ways, but the way I'm suggesting it here is as a command from God. If I'm your shepherd, you need to examine your wants and give your wants to me because I'm the shepherd. I'm the one making the decisions here, not you. And I know everything about you. I love you more than anyone ever has or will, including yourself. I promise to ensure the best outcome for you. Every time, a hundredfold return, uh, prosperity, good plan for my life, all of that, okay? And I've got the power to do it. You don't. And I know everything. You don't. I am love and always act in love. You don't. That's why I'm the shepherd and not Alex. So if that's my relationship with him, and it needs to be, then the next phrase is, I shall not want. So, you need to examine what do you think you want and is that, is that uh, belief in love based or fear of fear uh, or fear of death based? Okay? If it's fear of death based, then that's coming from Satan, not God. You need to give it to God and yield to his, what he wants, not what you want. All right? Uh, an old hymn. Uh, it is well with my soul. Beautiful hymn. When peace like a river attendeth my way. And then the chorus. It is well with my soul. And that hymn was written um, in regard to the Titanic sinking. And one of the relatives of a person that drowned in the Titanic came out by boat to the place where the Titanic sunk thinking about their loved one and their hurt from losing them and wrote that song. And, was, and the song basically says, no matter what circumstances or adversity or pain I am subjected to, it is well with my soul that what you want be done, not what I want. All right? So, uh, Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And that's a key difference. And we've talked about this some already. The difference in wanting and desiring. Okay, desiring is, you know what, I think I'm supposed to get a college degree in psychology, so I'm going to fill out the enrollment papers and send them in and pay my money and start going to classes and doing the best I can, blah, 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 blah. Um, that, that's a desire, a desire to get that degree, all right? But my attitude should be actually finishing all this and receiving the degree is not completely in my control and power. And something may happen two years in that makes me change my mind or that just makes it where this is not the best thing for me to be doing anymore. All right? Happens all the time. All right? So that's the difference to me in a desire and a want. A desire, I'm walking in that direction, doing the best I can every day, uh, walking toward that end result that I think is not only what I desire, but what God wants for me, at least right now, until he 
gives me different information or changes my plans, all right? So if it's a desire, man, I'm, I'm working every day. I'm working hard. I'm probably working harder than I ever have worked because it's coming from a love-based source rather than a fear-based source, which means less stress and more energy and better creativity and problem solving and, and all of that. But I'm giving up the end result from day one to the last day. Father, I'm going to keep walking this way as long as you tell me to, and I think this is what you want me to do, and I desire to get that degree. But what was our formula? Your will be done, moment by moment. All right? So that's a desire. A want is I'm not giving up the end result. It's too important to me. I am going to go through walls if I have to, climb over mountains, swim seas if I have to, to get that end result. Nothing is going to stop me. If that's my attitude, then from the very moment I start, I'm in, I'm in stress because that's a fear-based reason. So the hypothalamus flips the stress switch on. For how long? For as long as I have that as a want or goal. Okay, that's research out of Harvard by Dr. Dan Gilbert, best-selling book. Expectation is a happiness killer. And having the end result as your goal is an expectation, whereas the way I describe desire, that is not an expectation. You've given up the end result, which means the stress goes away. All right? Okay. So delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. He does not say He will give you what you want. Why? Because you don't know what's best for you. You don't have the power and, and you don't know his plan. The reason you were born in the first place and all that stuff. Okay? So if you delight yourself in him, he'll give you the desires but they, and they will be perfect and you will know they're perfect, but it may not be what you think you want right now. Okay? Another thing this does is as soon as you turn it into a desire instead of a want, you've given up responsibility for the end result, which is a big deal. We are not meant to be responsible. We're meant to be accountable. All right? Why aren't we meant to be responsible? Because we're not strong enough or smart enough. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It is by grace you're saved, not of works, lest someone should boast. It's not about what you do, okay, and doing it right. It's about your will be done moment by moment. And he will only give you the desires of your heart if you delight yourself in him. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, the 2 Corinthians 4, for Jesus to be manifested in your body, Lord, I am delighted, okay, to obey you in this. If you delight yourself in the Lord in intimate, loving relationship with him, with Jesus who you are one with and are the bride of Christ and the Holy Spirit who lives in you and Jesus living in you as long as you are giving that adversity to him, okay? If you're not giving it to him, he's probably not going to force it away from you because love requires a choice. You eliminate the choice. If God forces you to do the right thing, he's just eliminated love and made you a robot. All right? Um, so there's a big, big difference between want, desire. One, you take ownership of the end result and you're stressed from day one until the end. Desire, the stress melts away and you will get the desires of your heart, which is what is best for you, your best life possible. Um, to illustrate this, uh, one time I was going through the Nashville airport. I was on the way to Europe to, to do uh, some sort of speaking tour thing. And um, 
I had in my bag this uh, new little light therapy device that I was testing. And it, it just so happened, it looked like a little kid's toy wooden gun. And I was taking it through security and I was curious before I ever went through, will they find that toy, will they find that light therapy thing and, you know, think it's a gun or, you know, I don't know what they'll do. But I was interested to see. I, I didn't know. All right. So I'm going through security and everything goes fine. The bag goes through. They see it. They don't say a word and they pass me on through. Well, while I'm, put, while I'm putting my belt back on, <laughs> I said casually and kind of with this tone of voice, you didn't find the thing that looks like a gun. <laughs> well, within 10 seconds of me saying that, you didn't find the thing that looks like a gun. There were four big guys grabbing hold of me. And I mean, I, I was shook. I was afraid. I, was, I, I didn't know what was going on. All right. And they grabbed hold of me and they started rushing me away from security, put me in a room by myself and locked the door. I mean, it was kind of scary, right? And um, finally, a gentleman came in and asked me questions. Uh, why did you say that? He had the, the light therapy device with him, you know, and, um, and I explained everything to him and, and said, yeah, I, I was curious before I went through and then when they didn't find it, I just, you know, said that casually. I, I didn't mean anything and, and um, uh, he said, okay, I can see that this has been a misunderstanding and we're going to let you go. Oh, by the way, he called my wife at home, called some other people to confirm my story of who I was. Anyway, we're going to let you go. And then he said this, but Dr. Lloyd, don't ever say gun again in or around an airport. Those guys that grabbed you and roughed you up a little, they had to do that. They had no choice but to do that. They would have been fired if they hadn't done that. That's their job. It doesn't matter why someone says gun. If they say gun, that's it. Here come the men with guns. All right? And, uh, after it was all over and I'd calmed down some, I thought that was a really interesting metaphor because of this. The supervisor of your mind, unconscious, subconscious, conscious, generational, everything. The internal supervisor of your mind has complete control of your thoughts, your emotions, your hormones, your body chemistry, um, all kinds of stuff like that. All right. Uh, and it is absolute control. That's why so many people who try to commit suicide literally can't do it. And many try over and over and over and over and over again and can't do it. All right. Well, it's because they're going against the supervisor of their mind and the supervisor says, no, no, we are not letting him die. When he gets up to the ledge, legs do not go. Do not take any step forward. And no matter how hard I try, my legs won't go forward. They won't let me. Okay? And I could get way into the physiology and science of that, but just know that that's true. The number one job of that supervisor, your unconscious mind, the number one job is to keep you physically alive. Okay? That's it. 
And that's from the time you're a fetus until the day you die. All right? And your unconscious doesn't care so much if it overreacts. If it overreacts, you're still alive. And if, you, if it underreacts, you may be dead and, and the supervisor would have violated the prime mandate of keeping you physically alive. So the supervisor won't allow that. It'll overreact all day long, but it won't underreact. Okay? And that's the source of a lot of our difficulty changing habits and, and addictions and patterns is the unconscious mind is saying, no, we're saying I want to diet and exercise and get more healthy and all this kind of stuff. The unconscious says no. Now, why would it say no to something like that? Well, first of all, we don't know all the reasons. But secondly, right now, at least we're surviving. Maybe life isn't great, but we're surviving. We're getting by. If we change something that's pretty significant, Alex might start doing other behaviors, maybe even risky behaviors, that end up in threatening the prime mandate. Okay? Um, there is one thing, one exception to the prime mandate of your unconscious mind and the supervisor of your mind and heart. And the one exception is if you choose real love, the high road, and you can't fool the supervisor. He knows if you really mean it or not, or if you're just testing it and see if it works. But if it doesn't work, I'm going right back. Don't even try that. It won't work. You can't fool the supervisor. And the supervisor's a million times more powerful than your conscious intention. So you're never going to win that battle. All right? But the supervisor has one exception in his or her manual, and that is if you choose and commit to real love for the rest of your life as best you can forever with no safety net no matter what. Okay? And if you ever in your life get to that place and commit to that and mean it, here's what happens. The supervisor, well, let's go back. Let's say you say the words, I'm committing to real love for the rest of my life. Why? Because you want to get the desires of your heart. You want your best life, all right? So you're trying to do this. So, let, so you say, okay, I commit with no strings attached, no safety net, forever, no matter what, to live in the present moment in love as best I can, giving up the end results. You say that because you want what we're talking about here. But the supervisor knows, your unconscious mind knows, you know, he is saying that, but he doesn't really mean it. And when push comes to shove, he's going to go back. All right? So what does the supervisor do? Well, we don't know, uh, this is a metaphor, obviously, but the supervisor basically says, attention, attention, everybody, talking to your body, mind, spirit, all that. What Alex is saying, he doesn't really mean. Do not let him change. Do not let him do this. Okay? He doesn't really mean it. So we stick with the prime mandate to keep him physically alive. All right? But let's say a day comes when you can say those words and you really mean them. You can feel it. You, you're going to make a million mistakes, but you are never turning back from this path as best you can. All right? You ever do that and the supervisor says, Attention! Attention! Alex just got it. Release the safety measures. Let him fly.
And then you are free. Love, joy, peace, positive hormones, positive brain chemistry, stress goes away, immune system starts healing everything. You, you're more creative than ever and start having all kinds of incredible ideas that you never had before. Your, your work is, is just going so much better and people are noticing, wow, that was a great job. That's the best job you've ever done. And, and you feel a peace and a joy and a, even in the midst of adversity, you feel that joy at knowing the outcome is going to be a win for me, etc. It, it changes everything. Why would, why would the supervisor do that? Why would it violate its prime number one mandate? Because the only thing more important than death is love. And so if you truly commit to that love, his love, real, I call it, love, as opposed to fake love, you've won. That's the whole purpose of this life. It's the purpose of your life. is to figure that out and get to the place where you commit to that, giving him control. Um, Lord, I would be delighted to do this in obedience to you. Your will be done moment by moment. Okay? The only thing more important than death is love. And so when you get that, it's okay if you die. You've already won now. As opposed to if you haven't really gotten that, you need more time so that hopefully you will get it before you die. Okay? Uh, but I believe, and I believe Scripture supports, that's what it's about. Now, typically, I think when you get it and that happens, you don't die. That's when God empowers you and you live to be 90 years old and you're still working and happy and doing stuff at 85 and, you know, people are like, wow, I need some of what he or she has got. All right, so big difference between desires and wants and getting the desires of your heart. Also know that one of the reasons I believe if you get here, he will give you the desires of your heart is because you're delighting in him. Because you're honoring that relationship. Okay? Just like if you uh, are honoring your spouse or significant other, they're going to feel that and they're going to appreciate it. And, and, and they may do something back for you. And you say, oh, wow, that was really sweet. Why'd you do that? And they'll say, because you make me feel so good. You, I feel like you honor me. I feel like you uh, make me a better person. So I wanted you, you to have some of your desires too. It happens not only with the Lord, but with everybody, including myself. All right? Okay, Romans 12, be transformed. That's what you want, isn't it? It's what I want to go from the low road to the high road, to go from fear, anger, irritation, frustration, low self-worth, rejection, pain, hurt, to love, joy, peace, having great identity and worth, uh, loved beyond what I'd ever imagined I'd be loved and loving others more than I even thought I could and more all the time, okay? That's being transformed, all right? Well, how does it happen? By the renewing of your mind. And by the way, that does not mean conscious mind. It's basically heart, which is unconscious, subconscious, ancestral, generational, etc. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and heart. How? Exactly how we've been talking about. By giving it to Him. Your will be done moment by moment for best outcome every time, regardless of whether you think it is or not. Um, 
then you must believe. Believe what? Believe in God. Believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And commit to love over fear. So maybe you've been living fear of death here, belief in love here. You need to commit and start focusing with your intention on believing in love and God and Jesus and your fear of death, giving God control of that too. So he can take care of that control of death for you. And then you commit to the present moment in love, giving up the end results. And the supervisor says, release the safety mechanism. What are the safety mechanisms? Stress, anger, fear, hormones, all that stuff that's negative when we are living in, in, in prideful, selfish, seek pleasure and avoid pain, what I want, when I want. Okay? All right. Um, and I believe that when you hit that adversity from the other side of the board, enjoying adversity, when you hit that adversity, if you, you give that to God, say, Lord, I'm delighted to obey you in this and do it. You will be given dying grace at that moment for that thing. Okay? Um, this, this to me came from a, a true story. A good friend of mine had a, was in uh, graduate school and everyone's favorite professor got cancer, really bad cancer, terminal cancer, with horrible pain cancer. And I think was advised to stay home and take morphine and would die. he didn't have long to live. But he decided to keep teaching, even though he was in excruciating pain every day. And one of the students came to talk to him one day and said, how are you doing this? All of us are talking about how you're giving the best lectures you have ever given. And we know you're in excruciating pain. How are you doing that? His answer was dying grace at dying time, which simply means that God will give you what you need when you need it. Now, as humans, what we want is to have it before we need it so that if it happens, I'm sure I've got what I need. That's called control, okay? The other is called faith, where he will give it to me, the perfect thing, when I need it at the perfect time, and maybe even intervene in the circumstances for me. And Jesus, if I've, if I've given it to him, I'm delighted to do this in obedience to you. Jesus moves to the forefront of my life. Manifest in my body, the Holy Spirit brings life and health to my mortal body, and the Holy Spirit wields the power that raised Jesus from the dead. All right? So when I get into this adversity situation, man, <laughs> what a joke. I've got the power of the universe, the power of God, assuring the best outcome for me in this situation if I will do it in obedience to him and commitment to love in the present moment, giving up the end results. All right? So you will receive dying grace at dying time, but not just dying time, at hard financial time, at conflicted relationship time, at uh, negative health time, any time that you hit that pain and adversity, if you do it his way. <clears throat> the story of uh, Lazarus, John 11, is a very interesting one to me because Jesus finds out that his dear friend Lazarus is dying and he intentionally says, I'm not going to go there yet. I'm going to spend some more days here even though he's told and knows that if something doesn't change, chances are his great friend, who he loves, is going to die. 
All right, so Jesus is doing this on purpose, it seems. All right, then he comes to back home to, to Mary and Martha, the sisters, after Lazarus is already dead. And um, uh, they are mourning and everything. And Martha says, if you'd only been here, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus says, do you believe? If you believe, you will see the glory of God manifested here today. Okay? Then they go to the tomb. Jesus says, roll away the stone. Martha argues with him again. Says, whoa, what are you doing? He's been in there several days. It's going to stink. It's going to be terrible. Jesus repeats himself. I told you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God manifested here today. And Martha says, I believe that you are the Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth, and you know the rest of the story. Okay? So do you believe? Believe in what? Believe that God is God. Believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Believe the promises that he's made to you that we've been going over. All right? Do you believe? believe. Some of you, as we talked about a few weeks ago, may have to do some belief profiling work and work on those wrong beliefs you have. If your energy on a minus 10 to plus 10 is way negative, you may need to do some work on that with the tools we showed you, uh, meditation and prayer every day, etc. All right? But if you do that and keep praying and keep seeking, I believe 100% you will get to a place where you do believe that God is God, Jesus is Lord and Savior, His promises apply to you, you are who He says you are instead of who you feel like you are, full of Satan's lies, all right? But you will get to a place of belief. And when you believe, you also will see the glory of God manifested <laughs> in your physical body. Again, we see it. And I would suggest that dying, dying grace at dying time is where you need to be all the time. So, uh, and it doesn't matter what it is, okay? Uh, I'm late for work, but the trash is overflowing and the trash is my job, all right? Well, that's adversity, right? All right, so what do I do? Let me give it to the Lord. Stop, give it to the Lord. Lord, I would be delighted to obey you in this. And I empty the garbage. All right? Well, my guess is very possibly that very first time, but certainly second, third, fourth time, if you keep giving it to him and he knows you're going to give it to him every time, my guess is all of a sudden, it's not any big pain or adversity to do the garbage anymore. In fact, there's a little bit of a kind of a joy that goes with it. Because you know, I'm, I'm choosing belief in love, not belief in fear. I'm, I, God is going to give me garbage grace at garbage time. Or whatever it is. Alright? Which is power, ability, creativity, thoughts, emotions, problem solving that I, uh, in and of myself, don't have. But he comes and dwells in me. Mystery of the ages, Jesus and I are one. Jesus manifests in my mortal body, goes to the forefront of my life. Holy Spirit wields the power that raised Jesus from the dead. I'm promised the best outcome for me. All right? I'm not promised no pain, but I am promised dying grace through the pain and 
that he will intervene and be with me, strengthen me, help me, maybe even intervene in circumstances himself in order to deal with whatever the adversity situation is. But only if I'm giving it to him. Not if I'm demanding to still believe and live the fear of death, the low road. Why? Because he's not going to force me. That would eliminate love. Now he's going to nudge me every once in a while to let me know I'm on the wrong track, right? But it's always going to be my choice because love requires that. And we are promised all those things. Why, why is this happening? They're a good person. Why did the child die? Why did the... A um, number of years ago, uh, someone recommended this book to me, Inside Out by Larry Crabb. Larry Crabb was a psychologist, and this was a, a huge bestseller back when I was in my 20s. And uh, didn't know anything about this stuff, but it was fascinating to me, and I enjoyed it. Read this book several times. There's all kinds of pages. I think I've turned down about half of the pages in this. But uh, not too long after the book, Larry Crabb was in town in Nashville, and I went to hear him. And he said something I'd never heard a preacher say before. Every preacher I'd heard, when confronted with the questions, why do bad things happen to good people? Why does suffering occur if there really is a God? Which is one of the biggest objections to the existence of God. And what I'd always heard, and it was usually after there was some kind of a tragedy or something, that the preacher would stand up and say, now God did not do that. I mean, that child dying, God did not do that. That guy, 40 years old, who got a brain tumor and died leaving his wife and three small... God didn't do that. All right? But I got to tell you, that never sat right with me. It never felt right. So uh, go to hear Larry Crabb, and uh, he stands up there, and it's kind of the opposite of me. I'm very passionate, as you can tell, and he was very calm, matter-of-fact, almost a little monotone. But uh, I would, I, and I kind of wish I was that way, but I've tried to do that. It just doesn't work for me. But anyway, here's what he said. He said, when children die, when bad things happen to good people, when suffering occurs, if God is who he says he is, all-powerful, all-knowing, okay, if God's who he says he is, then the buck has to stop with him. Because even if he didn't cause the child to die in the car wreck or the 40-year-old to get a brain tumor, if he's all-powerful, he could have prevented it. He could have reversed it. So why didn't he? Okay. Well, first of all, I so respected him saying that if God's who he says he is, then God is ultimately responsible because he could have changed it. He's the one with all the power, which is the person you would go to in an emergency situation. You've got the power to change this. Please change it. Okay? So, why does he allow? I think for a couple of reasons. Um, I think one because the whole purpose of this life is for us to find him and choose the high road love path rather than the low road fear path, okay? And if only good things happened, if, if we didn't have these big, huge negative surprises that, you know, uh, knock us on the ground for a week or two or whatever, we wouldn't really feel a need to keep seeking or to change from seek pleasure, avoid pain, which is how we're born, and we grow up in that, and we're supposed to until we're 6, 8, 10, or 12. It's just that when we turn 6, 8, 10, or 12, we're supposed to start choosing 
love and what's right whether the result is painful or pleasurable. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do what's right and love-based. But most people I know, including me, way into my 20s, late 20s, that's not the way most of us live. Nine out of ten of us keep living our entire life in seek pleasure, avoid pain, what I want, when I want, business deal, love, which is really fake love. Okay? Um, so, God is ultimately responsible. So why does he allow? Why does he not intervene here? Why did he intervene there and not here? How come I did everything right, I think. I gave it to him. I, I said I'd delight to do this in obedience for you, but I haven't had any great thing happen yet. Someday I will know. That's 1 Corinthians 13. All right? Now we know in part. Then we shall fully know, even as we are fully known by God right now. So, to me, God's answer in Scripture is, I'm God, you're not. I love you. I promise to do what's best for you. I let my son die to save you. You are now saved. You are part of the kingdom. You're part of the family. You're going to heaven. The Holy Spirit is inside you, etc., etc., etc. All right? But you still are looking through a glass darkly. It's still, you still can't see the whole picture. Someday, you're going to know the reason for all this stuff. Right now, the answer is, I'm God and you're not. And I promise to do what is best for you. I guarantee your best outcome. Not necessarily your wanted outcome, but it will be your desired outcome, and what is best. Okay? Okay. So, that's the next step. So, kind of integrate that with the 2 Corinthians 4, enjoying adversity, giving it, I'm delighted to obey you in this, and then what, and then your will be done live life moment by moment. So that's what he's waiting for, is for me to get to your will be done moment by moment. That's the formula with the guaranteed outcome. Okay? It requires me to believe, just like Lazarus. So, um, believe, commit, be transformed, and your supervisor will say, release the safety measures for John. Release the safety measures on Mary. They have chosen real love. They've won this life. Let them go. And then you will immediately start experiencing feeling, thoughts, probably even health, career, all that, your best possible life. And it will feel wonderful. You will know it's your best life. And you will never, ever, ever turn back. Over about 20 years that I've been teaching this uh, mainly to my clients, um, and we're talking several thousand people, the one thing I've never heard is, oh yeah, this isn't so great. I think I'm going to go back to taking control of my own results and wanting again and living by seek pleasure. Never heard that. What I've heard hundreds of times is, you know what? This isn't kind of what I expected. This isn't what I thought I wanted. 
But now that I'm here, I know, I feel this is perfect for me and I will never go back. That's what I want for you, to get to the place where you say, wow, I will never go back. And that's the journey I'm trying to go on with you or you with me, us together, holding hands down the road. All right. Thank you so very much and have a wonderful, blessed day.